Hey guys, this is JJ. And this is Santanya. And today we have Cortez Ortiz, an artist out of New Jersey. Yes. Okay. Well, welcome. We are so welcome, happy to welcome. have you. Happy yes. to be here. Mm-hmm. And you're from East Orange, New New Jersey, correct? I'm I work in East Orange, New Jersey. We my wife and I have a store in East Orange, New Jersey mm-hmm. called House of DAV. My um, creative upbringing um, started in um, Scotch Plains, New Jersey. I grew up in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, went to school in Newark, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and more or less stayed in Newark, New Jersey as far as my career. Um, I think out of all of the creative communities in New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey's among the um, strongest, especially gotcha. black artists. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, so when, um, did you know that you were different as far as like your art or when did you know that you were an actual artist? Um, I've been doing art since I was a kid. My, my father said that my first initial, um, diving into it was actually sculpture. Um, he had pictures of what looked like a man, with an umbrella, a beach umbrella, um, out of clay. And that was my first, um, I guess, piece that was ever photographed. But he said I was drawing since I was about three, four years old. And um, I think the first drawing was a Volkswagen Beetle. Mm. Oh, wow. I, I, I still have that drawing. <laughs> oh, now that is, cool. you're going to have to send me that picture. Yeah, 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 I gotta find yeah. that. Yeah, that's something to post. I haven't mm-hmm. even posted right. it on social media. Oh, yeah, well, no. we'll be the first. We need to be the first. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I've been doing art since I was a kid. And um, yes. even at one point, I was doing it so much that by the time I got to high school, I tried to deviate and do something different, and it didn't quite work out. And so, um, art has Art is my thing. Nice. Okay. Now tell us about the House of BAV. I know that stands for Born Again Vintage, correct? Yes. Uh, Born Again Vintage is my wife's line of clothing, and she does upcycle um, fashion. And so stores in East Orange, New Jersey, it's 359 Main Street. And it's it's literally a thrift store. But because we're very creative, we kind of put a twist to it. So we have my wife's upcycle fashion. We also have local artisan and designers in the store. And okay. my artwork is in the store as well. But nice. I saw some of the clothing that had art on it. So is that a, a collaboration between you and your wife or what's going on there? Because yeah. I see it's okay. Well, yeah, uh, it, it definitely a collaboration between my wife and I. And then also I've been doing art on fashion since high school. So wow. going back to the 80s when yeah. people were doing the on the graffiti on the jacket. On yeah, the jeans. on the yeah. jeans and the overalls. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So I was doing that and I was doing art on um, Converse sneakers and things like that. Nice. And so nice. I've always dabbled in it, but never really took it to this level where we are right now. It was always about my fashion 
and mm-hmm. then you know how it is your your friends and relatives see you wearing stuff and they're like oh can you do my jeans and it was yeah. that sort of thing so those in my circle who had a desire to wear that sort of stuff i i was ready and willing to do it and mm-hmm. so um fashion has always been my thing and i get my fashion taste from my mom my mom was um very fashionable fashionista and she used to let me or i used to let her dress me and (laughs) (laughs) i really did it um put up a fight and i was just telling the story of how my mom used to love black designers like um um willie ware um patrick kelly and um (laughs) I remember almost close to being in tears talking about, I don't want to wear Willie wear. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so my mom, she would have us in, or me at least, in like, say, the Tigra polo shirt mm-hmm. with the collar popped. Yep. And, and it would be like a pink La Tigra shirt with a, a, a lime green sweater that she would, you know, want to wrap around my shoulder you know the whole yeah because you were not you were not stylish back then if you didn't pop that collar and you didn't have some kind of pastel color right yeah and and my mom was yeah yeah my mom (laughs) had been wearing the pastel colors and then by the time i got to high school it was like i was like the first one to wear acid wash jeans and um i remember she had this one top that she bought for me and it had doming sleeves and so she was light years ahead of her time and the fact that I allowed it was kind of cool and um, my friends used to tease me all the time about how I dressed and you know I'm used to it do you look do your friends still tease you now at times, at, 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 at times, yeah, yeah, they still tease me. Well, you getting paid, really? you getting paid for that teasing, so you know. There well, you go. My whole thing is, if if the women like it, the women never tease me, and exactly. the women and the women who tease me, I wasn't even interested in them. <laughs> so yeah, their pain didn't matter anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to get those fly girls who were, you know, fashion forward, that sort of thing, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so speaking of fly girls that are fashion forward, so how did you, you and your wife, since both of you are artists, how did you all um, kind of cross paths? Um, that's an interesting story. Um, at the time I was doing, I joined the NAACP. And the reason being was my father would always say, you know, you're always bitching and moaning about what the NAACP aren't doing. Why don't you join them for at least two years? Uh And if you still find that they ain't doing anything, go back to your bitching and moaning. (laughs) 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 I joined my local NAACP. And in the midst of doing that, I was reaching out to other organizations and individuals trying to network and trying to make things happen, trying to do things. And so at the time, um, Bridget was um, with the Urban League. And so she was doing their social media. So we connected on Facebook, was going back and forth. And the whole idea was to 
connect, you know, the NAACP with the Urban League and try to do mm -hmm. something. And at the time, also, I was doing this thing in Freehold called um, the African Diaspora Arts. Mm. And so with that, I was just trying to make those connections. And so we ended up meeting up, um, spoke for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes on business mm -hmm. and went right into, so you like Marvel movies? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so and, and I'm I'm giving you the edited version. And so next thing you know, I I, I believe I said to her uh, or asked her what was she doing for New Year's? And so um she said nothing and then she said, "Well, if you're doing something, let me know when we we could get together." And so New Year's Eve was our first date. And mind you, this is, we met Initially, that was maybe two days, two or three days after Christmas. And oh, wow. then New Year's, we go on our first date. We saw Aquaman. And that, <laughs> that was all. Wow. We, we've been together wow. ever since. Wow. That's pretty cool. So Aquaman how... is a good movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> how, how is it, um, you know being married to a, a creative. I mean, we, we've spoken with several people that are either in a relationship or married to, but I'm always curious to know each individual relationship. Mm -hmm. So how, um, how is it in your household? It, I actually love it. Um, and reason being, this is the first relationship that I've been in where I'm at times I'm 100% the cheerleader. Mm, yeah. And and then there are times when she's the cheerleader. And yes. so I've always been in relationships where the other person is always the cheerleader. And mm -hmm. to be with somebody who has their own dreams and aspirations and goals, it's kind of cool to be on the sidelines, but then jump in from time to time when needed. Mm -hmm. Ooh, say that again. <laughs> so, so I really enjoy that. And it's, in a sense, perfect yin and yang because there's certain things that I'm good at and there's certain things that she's better at. And it's a perfect mm -hmm. balance. She's very business-oriented. She's very organized. I'm a complete, like, um, free spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so I need somebody around me who's a little bit more organized and structured and where my strong points, I'm the social butterfly. I'm very good at the party and um, creatively, I'm, I'm the type of person where um, I, I'm very good on the fly and I'm also... Um, I don't have, I shouldn't say I don't have an ego, but we all have egos, but it's about knowing your position. So when it's her turn to shine, I'm completely open and cool with that. When it's my turn to shine, it's a perfect balance. Mm -hmm. I like That's that awesome. That's awesome. So, so what is the, maybe the biggest platform where your work has been? shown on display runway anything like that um, <laughs> you just asked all the questions i had <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> oh i i have several um answers to that 
with fashion um doing fashion week um yeah 19 in 2020 um or was it 2020 i see you did sustainable it's, fashion show yeah last well, year mm -hmm. yeah well no this year um we did um sustainable fashion week that was um bridget's um child okay and to see that from you know start to finish was completely amazing um wow so she came up with the concept and part of that came up because of us doing um fashion week in new york city and mm -hmm. with fashion week in new york city unless you have some type of hookup mm -hmm. it costs mm -hmm. about between 10 and twenty thousand dollars for a yep. to be in show or those with fashion week and so her whole thing was I want to create my own thing because I'm sick of being a side note. And if you look at fashion week itself and we're doing sustainable fashion, fashion week is part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> you could. See. Mm -hmm. And so sustainable fashion is always a side note at fashion week. Yeah. Here she, her thing was developing a platform where sustainability is the the focus and also the student and the newbie can participate because the price point to get in is a lot more affordable than fashion week yeah you know wow. so so that with fashion um and then with fine art um i have several um things i i would say showing in chicago at gallery guchard was um a big thing because that put me on i guess in a sense the national stage mm, nice and so i did that a couple years ago and then um i could say uh, my favorite show that i ever curated was the misogyny is the root of all evil show. yeah reason being it was very personal um second it was the last show that my father came to and participated in, he um, re used to read poetry. Mm. And um, I have video footage of him reciting poetry there. And um, also the fact that it was a group show that pulled men and women together to address misogyny before the Me Too movement popped mm -hmm. up. And so, that right there was um, very exciting and very cutting edge. And it, it's interesting because in retrospect, I look back on it and we didn't get a lot of, we didn't get any press on that. We didn't get, you know, no pictures in the paper, but it, it was several artists and it was a lot of people there who witnessed it. And for me, that was one of my highest points wow to put together that show and make that statement before the me too movement yeah yeah nice i appreciate and, yeah i'm sorry i was just gonna say i appreciate your um um willingness and unapologetically putting social issues in your art and not being a afraid to and I don't even yeah. want to use that word afraid it's just there's so many people 
um, in our, you know, communities that are afraid to speak their minds and speak up for social injustice. And um, when an artist actually uses their platform to do that, I, it's, it speaks volumes to me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah. you know, that it, comes from years of feeling as though I couldn't speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To give you a little bit of background on me as a youth, I grew up in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Um, it's a predominantly white um, suburban community. And when you find yourself as a black youth trying to fit in with the dominant culture, yeah, you find yourself at times either not speaking up or being very um, vocal and speaking yeah. up. And yeah. being that I didn't have a lot of people around me who were that vocal, I found it easier to shut up. And, um, you know, for me, the first time I was called nigger was in church. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know? So, what kind of church did y'all go to? <laughs> well, I went to, my father was um, Catholic. Mm. And so he Whoa. turned to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And he grew up in Jersey City, New Jersey. Now, in Jersey City, New Jersey, there was a um, Catholic church called Christ the King. I believe it's still there. But it was a predominantly Black church. So to go from that to Scotch Plains, where, you know, I went to St. Bart's, St. Bartholomew's, and I could count on probably one hand how many Blacks I encountered at St. Bart's. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it puts you in a position, not only with the church, but also with school, because now we see how our education system is geared towards really nurturing white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I use that word or that phrase a lot now, white supremacy, because I notice that a lot of people don't like it. Yeah. You know, especially white people. Of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so even woke white people. They don't like the truth. Nah, nah. And, and, he said even the woke white people. Yeah, and it's funny, the other day, the other day um, this is after the election, um, Biden won and everything, and you know all these um, groups that are pro um, Biden. You know they're talking about how everything's all great and everything's dandy, everything's going to change. And I'm no, put, it's not. I'm putting up. <laughs> they, you know, white supremacy ain't going nowhere. You know? No, <laughs> and, it is and not. they're not. And I'm making posts, the post in those groups, and they're not posting what I'm posting. So that goes to show you that. You know, there's a lot of progressive white people out there that don't want to address white supremacy. And yeah. I'm I'm you know, I haven't really gotten started with that, but I I have paintings that address white supremacy. Oh wow. And, I can't wow. wait to see that. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, I have one that's called Eating White Supremacy. <laughs> and it, wow. And, and in the collage, there's a little girl and it's a vintage photo of a little girl eating cereal or something and in the spoon, I put little SWAT stickers. Damn. And, wow. And it's called Eating White Supremacy. And people don't want to address it. And mm-hmm. and so, and going back to my upbringing and so forth. So all those years of not speaking up, all those years of trying to fit in, 
all those years of just trying to um, not make any noise. Now I'm ready to make some noise and I really don't give a damn. How old were you? How old were you when you woke up and realized, shit, I mean, I'm still not going to be accepted. So I might as well, you know, whatever the case may be. Really? Um, just a couple of years ago, honestly. Wow. wow. Shut up. I'm, I'm talking maybe, I would say, I mean, really woke up to this. I would mm -hmm. say probably the last, um, in the last five years, honestly, wow. Damn. I was that, Damn. I was that, um, this, not disillusioned. I've been drinking, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. 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 I've been drinking all every single damn flavor. You were trying to chase every flavor. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even and, the spiked one. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and, and mind you, um, I considered myself pro-black, but there was still a part of me that, in a sense, was trying to, in a, in a way, like, deny my blackness in a way. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's because of growing up in, in this culture <clears throat> that we live in. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so another thing I think we as black people have to do is um, talk about it. My talking about my not being woke. There's more of us out here that ain't woke. Oh <laughs> hell yeah! There's and, still and, a and, lot that's done die. Right, and, and we honestly yeah. need to talk about it. But at the same time, me as a woke person can't ridicule the person who isn't woke, and I'm starting to realize that because if I yeah. if I come down on you hard for not being conscious. My ridiculing you is not going to make you want to embrace your blackness. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, exactly. I, and I'm learning that. And I kind of learned that in dealing with Trump these last four years, mm -hmm. because yeah. I was going in hard on Trump supporters. And, yeah. and then I realized, you know, my calling them stupid ain't going to change their mind. It's not. No, it's not. It really, it, it, if it anything, it'll push us. Right, right. Yeah. And so also with my artwork, I found myself over the last couple of years trying to be a little bit more subliminal with the message mm -hmm. and not hit mm -hmm. you over the head with it. Because at the gotcha. same time, if I'm coming at you like gung ho, you ain't going to embrace that. No, <laughs> yeah. it's like going at somebody with the Bible. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So what is what is um out of everything that you've created, um, what would you say is your favorite piece? Mm. That's almost like saying which child is your favorite? <laughs> I, I love them all for different reasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the thing things that I'm most proud of are um my collaborations with my wife, mm -hmm. um, the collaborations and the inspiration that my father has given me. And the reason I say my father before my mother now, for years, I'm talking since maybe a couple months ago, <laughs> I would always credit my mother for my creative prowess. Uh. Always. And I come to realize that my father 
was just as equal, if not greater than my mother. Wow. And it, it's all about relationships. I had a very close relationship with my mother. And mm -hmm. my father and I, we butted heads up until the day he passed away. But when my mom passed away, it gave my father and I an opportunity to get closer. Yeah. And wow. that really helped. And it made me understand him more. It made me not um, not cringe at my at seeing myself doing what my father does. Mm. And um, and so now I'm at the point where I, I got to give dad that love. And yeah. so I, I know my mom isn't going to mind because she had, you know, shoot, she had more time in <laughs> getting it. <laughs> and so now it's time to really give credit to my father. So my father used to draw, um, he was a, a microbiologist. And he wow. said one of the things that really helped him in school was the fact that he could draw. And so what he used to like to draw was those um, single-celled organisms. Mm -hmm. And he used to turn those into little abstract doodles. And mm. so as of recently, I've been taking those doodles and also connecting to what I was doing in college and creating these abstract paintings. And so wow. right around the time when I met my wife, she inspired me to create art that I would imagine on fashion. And at the time... I really wasn't looking at what she was doing. So I was just imagining my artwork on silk scarves. And I came uh, up with these abstract um, compositions on these large 48 by 48 canvases. And that it's completely different than what I've been doing over the past 20 years. But at mm -hmm. the same time, if you knew me in college, you'll see elements of what I was doing in college in these paintings. So it's a combination yeah. of my um, college days and also my father's influence in his abstractions. And so I'm really proud of these paintings. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Good deal. Now, I know you say your dad did poetry. Mm -hmm. um, did you ever dabble in that? Yeah, I... I, I haven't written in a while, but I, I I did one or two open mics and still have a desire to go deeper into that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a natural performer in that sense. So but you well in in that sense, mm -hmm. but I, I see that you DJ. Yeah, yeah. okay. And <laughs> that's actually my first love. Um, really? if I, if I had a choice between like, say doing whatever I want with artwork or doing whatever I want with DJing, I would go with DJing. And really? Yeah. <laughs> I've been DJing since about 85. Um, oh, damn. Or as my mama would say, since Hector was a pup. Oh, yep. <laughs> That's what my mama <laughs> used to say. <laughs> and so, um, my my older brother who's deceased um when we were like 10 12 years old um he used to bring us to this club in new york city called the pegasus and on sunday afternoons they would have this kitty disco and so between that 
And also, one of my cousins had a graduation party. I don't know if it was from high school or college, but the, behind the bar, he had a DJ set up. And that was the first time I seen like turntables and DJing up close. And from that point, I wanted to be a DJ. Oh, wow. Not even knowing anything about DJ culture. Um, and then later on, you know, my brother would tell me stories about the Paradise Garage in New York City, um, Studio 54. And actually, for my graduation present, he gave me um, passes for Studio 54. And that was my first time at Studio 54 for my graduation. And um, yeah, so everything about clubbing, um, buying vinyl, I, I still spin on vinyl and um, even have a few production credits. Oh, great. Stuff. And yeah, I just uh. love, I love um, just house music is my thing, but I love um, music of the diaspora. And then I, you've been in, involved on the art side because you created a garment or was it a collaboration between you and your wife that created a garment for DJ, uh, oh, a Grammy-nominated DJ? Yeah, Josh Milan Yeah, um, Honeycomb Music. Um, yeah. I've been a big fan of his. And one of my friends um, would DJ this party. And, and one of those um, parties, Josh um, DJed. And I remember coming there and I was doing live painting. And so that was my first time meeting him. And I even brought one of my records for him to sign, um, one of his records for him to sign. And it was a record that he didn't even have. Oh, damn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my first time meeting him. And he's purchased work of mine over the years. And um and Josh, when you hear this, you got to give me a call back, man. <laughs> but Josh, Josh is um, a prolific uh, musician, and I did that garment for him. Um, actually, somebody else did the garment for him. I just painted on the garment, mm -hmm. and so okay. um, that was around the time when we first opened up the store. So the momentum of that and having the store open up and it, it was really cool. We all have a role to play in preventing the spread of COVID-19. Social distancing is important to slow the spread of the illness, but social distancing doesn't have to mean losing your connection with others. Use video chat services, or the telephone to talk with family and friends. In this time of uncertainty, it's important to be there for one another. We're in this together, even though we're physically apart. So stay home, save lives. So what is, what is, um, what is one of your biggest goals as an artist? Um, to not have to work a day job. That's basically, <laughs> yeah, and, and, right? Ditto. <laughs> and, and it, it shifts all the time. Um, the last mm -hmm. several months, um, there's been a big shift because of this whole COVID thing. So, before COVID, yeah. um, my goal was to um, just show my work, um, 
get picked up by a prestigious gallery and just sell my artwork through a gallery. Since mm-hmm. COVID, galleries have all closed. Um, yeah. Or or just put on hiatus and doing these um, virtual shows. And then I, I got to really looking at the numbers and I'm like, you know something? I don't need a gallery. Yeah. I, I really yep. don't need a gallery. And I have one gallery um, that I'm really cool with. It's called um, Aquaba Gallery. Um, it's, I think it may be the only Black-owned gallery in North New Jersey right now. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful wow. space. I mean, so beautiful. And the owners are just amazing. Just um, just really nice people. Oh, and, I saw that it was something with portraits and narratives. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. And so, and so um, one of my teachers um, from college, Kevin Sampson, he was the one that told me, um, you know, go check this gallery out. And um, he told the owners, I'm going to be sending this guy Cortez over there. He, he's a student of mine and um, show him love. Galleries, wow. g- galleries like that are like my ideal gallery. Um, number one, it's black owned. And mm-hmm. number two, it's a beautiful space. And the people who own it are just, you know, beautiful people who are easy to get along with. And that's my idea of working with the gallery. Um, another gallery I worked with was in Asbury Park, a gallery called Palette. And that gallery, the owner, his name is Joe Borzada. Um he gave me my first solo show and in working side by side with him. And I eventually started working at the gallery. Um, it, it, it kind of, in a sense, gave me new faith in galleries, but at the same time, mm-hmm. not every gallery is like that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's true. So my whole thing is if you, if you find somebody that you, you could work with and you're comfortable with, yeah, I'll I'll show my work in that gallery, but right now I'm not looking at any galleries besides them two. If Joe opens up another gallery, I'll show there. But I'm my desire to um work with galleries has dwindled the last couple months. Yeah. If that makes any yeah. kind of sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense cuz like you said a lot of them are closing um especially if they're not, you know, depending on how their structure is set up for other artists that are showing in their gallery, but it's, I mean, COVID has really, really changed. Changed the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's just going virtual now. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I remember, you know, back in the day, I used to um, have little um, sessions at my apartment where I used to, you know, set up artwork in every room in the apartment and invite people over and, you know, knowing that I would invite, say, like five people that I know were going to buy art, right? Everybody else was just like there for the kicks, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would sell mm-hmm. more artwork doing that. Than in a ga- gallery. Yeah, than in a gallery. And, and yeah, wow. galleries are cool and they serve their purpose. But I think, you know, having that notch on the belt, so to speak, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Um 
because you know you also you have all these parameters you know the work has to be this it has to be that and then my desire you know again the last couple of years my desire to in a sense break the white art market yeah i you know if you like my artwork you like my artwork i'm i'm, I'm not going to try to cater to the um the gallery elite yeah to sell my artwork anymore because i yeah. i honestly i know gallery owners and people are going to listen to this and they're going to be like well, screw you know? but hey you know you already screwed me you know and and for years what i used to do was you know that saying if you can't make if they don't let you win make it yourself you that's right. what i would do you know um that's how it is nowadays with the internet you know you don't need to have a exactly you don't need to have you know a gallery you don't need you can do it yourself <laughs> and actually there's been so much success over the past few months um due to covid and people being so active on social media and i think people are learning a new way of um marketing you know their work and people are now paying attention to whereas they weren't before and a lot of people are not there's just a certain demographic that don't go to the galleries anyway so you're still missing those um potential you know potential buyers but um well it's yeah art, it's just art shows in general i find rather boring and um whenever i do a show and i have a say in um the atmosphere. I always have a DJ. Mm -hmm. um, I try to incorporate, you know, one of my friends who's a poet or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just to break it up a little and, um, yeah. and make it so it's inviting to those who aren't usual um, gallery goers. Exactly. Um, yeah. You got to pull away from the, the typical art show that we grew up going to as kids. Yeah, if we were in that, in that world. Um, because it's so everything is so different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I owned a gallery in um, Freehold, New Jersey, for um, about three and a half years. Really? And that was the whole thing. It was so hard to get people to come in. It was like um, I would do things like paint outside mm -hmm. to pull mm. people in. And when I was working at my friend's gallery in Asbury Park, that's what I would do. I set up the easel outside paint outside people would stop oh that looks nice oh yeah come on in there's more artwork and that yeah. was a way of pulling people in yeah um you know me um being a dj and and working in that environment it was so easy for me to just bring my dj equipment i remember they had a movie theater across the street from that gallery and they had the showing of grace jones um documentary so what I did for that weekend, I played nothing but Grace Jones and like did a oh. flyer on Facebook and and just said, I'm, I'm playing Grace. Yeah, that's you smart. Know? And and just to do something different. I, I know my artwork wasn't hanging up at the time, but it was just something to do. Yeah. You know, people have to think outside the box. And I'm always trying to tie in my love of DJ culture into the art. Mm -hmm. Well, you definitely have um, enlightened us tonight. Um, I'm Very really, so. really looking forward to 
seeing more of your work. And you said that you guys were a part of Fashion Week this year. Do you think you'll be a part of it next year? I don't think so. I think we're focusing mm -hmm. on um, our thing, Sustainable Fashion Week. Gotcha. So, um, Earth yeah. Day is in April. We're doing something for Earth Day. I don't okay. completely know what's going on, but if you go to um, sustainablefashionweek.us, um, you'll see information on that. Um, Perfect. Right now, it's just, it's all about, you know, keeping the store afloat, um, you know, keeping on creating and, and staying alive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Staying yeah. very, very safe. So share with the listeners where they can find you um, on social media. Okay. My personal website is esotericurbanism.com. And um, esoteric urbanism, just to let people know, is what I call everything that I do that's creative. And mm -hmm. a friend of mine named Kim Jacobs gave that to me. Um, she was looking at one of my paintings with her son. And she said to her son, this is esoteric urbanism. And looked at me and said, you could take it. And mm, I ran yeah. with it. Wow. And um, another spot you could go to is houseofbav.com. And that's House of Born Again Vintage. Mm -hmm. And that's the store website. So I have not everything, but um, some stuff on there. And um, we're loading up the um, website with um, new stuff because of um, possibility of another shutdown. And yeah. um, my wife's <laughs> website is born again, wait, born dash again vintage.com and that's where you can see her work and then um cortez artis on facebook and esoteric urbanism and house of bav and born again vintage on instagram and twitter okay gotcha. i would i hope covid clears soon i would and love so to I, attend I thank you the, guys for uh, the show um, taking the time out and oh definitely yeah we appreciate this, it this was fun <laughs> yeah well thank you for coming oh yeah you're yeah. welcome a lot of um information um because I, I think i told you when we spoke last week that i do wearable art as well so when i saw the work that you do um i definitely love the fact that you're collaborating with your wife so i'm looking yeah. forward to seeing the fashion um even in april um would be amazing if um I want it would know. be amazing if we could I know if we could actually go <laughs> yeah well you know what connect with my wife because also we're always looking for artists and artisan to participate so if you're doing mm. upcycling and painting on fashion mm -hmm. it would, and I took a look at some of your stuff you would definitely um I think like the vibe that we're creating good wow. deal all right well guys there we have it another dope ass another dope ass episode <laughs> with cortez ortiz um definitely go follow him on all social media go to their website order some um pieces and um we look forward to um speaking with you again soon okay. yes thank you thank you mm -hmm.